0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 12 of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Today on the show, I'm interviewing Tim Frame, and I first heard about Tim and his story when I ran my first obstacle course race, my full obstacle course race, which was a Spartan in the beginning of 2017. I had an opportunity to meet Tim and hear his full story in October of 2017, when we ran the Vegas Tough Mutter together, Tim has been inspiring me since I met him. I watch his journey and he just takes away excuses. I'm really excited to share his story with you guys and to allow him to inspire you the same way that he has inspired me. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on
1: today. Well, you bet. Thanks for having me, Amber. I appreciate it.
0: No problem, of course. So for those of you who don't know, Tim Frame is a, well, he races obstacle course races here. He does a lot of Spartan, but that's definitely not what he's limited to. But his story is so much more than that. And honestly, um, he has just been a a huge inspiration for me. So I wanted to bring him on to give him an opportunity to kind of share his story. So I'll um, just kind of let you take over really quickly, Tim, and tell everybody kind of, what you do, and, and then we'll get into your story. So as far as now, um, I understand that your personal training, is that right?
1: Well, I, I am a, a certified personal trainer through NASM, National Association of Sports Medicine, um, and I'm a certified Spartan SGX coach now as well as of last April.
0: Oh, congratulations. So,
1: well, thank you. That has a uh, opened some doors for me to uh, work at a few racing events with Spartan as a coach and guide Spartans um, They actually can sign up for a race to run with a coach now and get a little help along the way So I've been able to do that the last year or two but uh, haven't otherwise put my uh, training to uh, use elsewhere here in Las Vegas personally uh, I, um, I I'm technically considered on disability, um, disability due to um, I'll share later a why, <laughs> and uh, currently also work at REI um, in the shoe department selling racing shoes too. So um, it's uh, i have been back to work for the first time in uh, since 2014 actually this year, and Spartan's been a big part of that recovery as well as a as an athlete. So
0: that's amazing kind of where I'm I mean, at
1: now <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I think of you working at REI selling running shoes it just fits so much into and <laughs> what you do so I can't imagine that um, between personal training and that it just embodies your
1: personal um, well and, and, and it's funny because it gets me back to where I started I, I moved here in 1995 to Vegas and worked in retail for many, many years. That's where I uh, used to work for Neiman's and Saks Fifth Avenue. And I was the shoe manager at both of those places. And <laughs> so I, I've kind of, um, you know, kind of got off track for a while and my, the things I've been through physically and personally have uh, changed gears, uh, but it's funny that um Uh, Back to being, I was a trainer before my illness and have my certification again as of last year, or actually as of 2017. And now back to work, uh, back in the shoe department again, too. (laughs) So
0: that's amazing. It's
1: going to come full circle um, as I've had to kind of find myself again, but uh, i be happy to share any of that as we move along. But that's what I do now. I'm a half part-time shoe guy and part-time Spartan race coach and enjoying it all.
0: That's amazing. Let's go ahead and get into that because I know from my um knowledge yeah. and conversations with you um how amazing it is for you to be working or even to be here at all. But why don't sure, you go sure. ahead and tell everybody um a little bit about what you've been through?
1: You bet. You bet. Okay, um just to kind of I I, I kind of went through in my early 40s, I'm like, uh you go through that midlife crisis, I guess, you know, I been working like crazy, raising a family, putting kids through school, the whole works. I'm like, hey, I want to do something I love. And I decided I wanted to, and after running my first Spartan race, decided I wanted to do that and train people to do it too. Um, So I did that in 2012 and 13, got my certification and decided that's what I wanted to do and ran a few more races and had a blast. But in May of 2014, I woke up one morning with a very significant headache. And a high temperature and it got worse and worse and worse throughout the day and my wife at the time took me to the emergency room and they checked me out and said oh you got a sinus infection and sent me home with some antibiotics and said have a good day basically so, so it I, was,
0: um, it, was it normal for you to um, experience these or was it no
1: no in some of the best shape i had ever been in i had just you know, I ran a couple races that year and was starting a training business and went through the whole P90X and P90X Extreme. And, you know, I was fitting 40 something, 45-ish or whatever at the time, and was excited about where I was headed, you know, with a, a new career option and, and, and athletically too and felt great about myself. And then, so it was really rare for me to have a headache, let alone even a sniffle for that matter. And so it, it became a concern and, and they sent me home and thinking I had a sinus infection. And the next couple of days got a little weird and the fever didn't go away and the antibiotics didn't help. And I started kind of seeing things. And three days later, my wife took me back in and they did some more testing and realized that it was more serious. And i found out that I had had what's called viral encephalitis which was basically a herpes virus that most of us have. If we've ever had a cold sore, you've got the herpes virus, you know, and or shingles or something like that. And for whatever reason, it had got on a nerve and traveled to my brain and had been kind of eating away at my brain for a few days. So at that point, they basically just said, this is serious. It has a very high fatality rate, and we don't expect you to make it through the next two or three days, to be honest. And if you do wake up, you know, probably most likely be a vegetable. It's kind of how they worded it to my wife. That's insane. So, uh, so yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere.
0: <laughs> so like, just to make sure that this kind of gets through, like you found out that you had, um, a virus that they described as like eating your brain and it, correct. It took almost took your life, but it took a, a ton of memories, correct?
1: Yeah. What, it, what it did, it, it, it ended up kind of eating away most of what's called my right hippocampus. And by the time they had caught it and said three days earlier, if they had maybe got me on antiviral medications instead of antibiotics, they may have saved a little bit of what was kind of chewed up a little bit, but it did steal what they have determined to be most of my, I guess, long-term memory. Um, It, you know, it's hard to identify for sure. I, I didn't, when I woke up that three days later, in the hospital when they said that I might not. I didn't know my wife. I didn't know my son. I didn't know who I was for that matter. And so I had lost all my most recent memory for sure. Um, And they've kind of determined through some neuropsychology since then that, you know, I have some early childhood memories, you know, that pop up every now and then. I can sing songs from the 80s, like nobody's business, (laughs) (laughs) things like that, that, you know, places in your brain that maybe didn't get affected that store information. But it did steal, I, I, you know, I didn't know where I grew up. I didn't know my mom and dad. I didn't know certain things about my life that I had to relearn overnight. So yeah, it's been kind of weird to wake up in a brand new world and be 40 something and not know the people around you.
0: That's insane. And so you, you go into the hospital, they tell you, oh, don't worry, it's just a sinus infection. You go home thinking everything's okay. Turns yeah. out it's not.
1: not okay.
0: Yeah. Morning, or you wake up three days later, not knowing yeah. who you are, who your wife is. And that's awful enough, but that's not the end of your story. What happens next?
1: Well, <laughs> kind of wacky, I'll be honest. Um, I, because of the recovery efforts at that point, I was on some very heavy uh, anti-seizure drugs because they were concerned that the virus had, may cause some other serious brain damage or, or just, you know, once your brain's infected, it kind of can cause other types of issues like seizures. So they had me on very heavy mind-altering drugs as well as some steroids that to help repair the brain matter. And pretty much tied to an IV daily and sitting on a couch or bed or wherever in my home. So all of a sudden, I go from being in the best shape of my life running races and being a trainer to being tied to a couch filled with steroids and mind-altering drugs, I'll be honest. And that was for three long months. And I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of memories about it, Um, but... uh, that's how I spent the next three months, from I guess May till August of that same year. Wow! During that time, yeah, it it I, like I said, I don't remember a ton about it. I can see things on Facebook that I was chit chatting about with people, and I was in a wacky land, I'll be honest, because I the the drugs that they had me on were changing even who I was at the time. But it made me want to eat everything in sight, like steroids do, and and I gained fifty pounds sitting on the couch and. I don't know i wasn't who the i wasn't the man that i was you know a few weeks earlier (laughs) by any means
0: did you remember that like did you was there a part of you that said where you just felt like you were in somebody else's body or did you have no idea who you were
1: well at this time no i'll be honest um there was things that i could you know, would be told or stories that I would hear or my folks would come out to visit. You know, I had lots of friends and family involved at the time that were, you know, trying to fill in some of the gaps for me or at least be there for me. I see people on Facebook and people from high school and grade school that were still, (laughs) you know, friends of mine that I was still getting to know again for the first time. So, yeah, and to be honest, getting to know my own wife and children and myself as well. So I don't know if I really knew who I was but I was getting images of them and hearing stories about that person and obviously was wanted to be that guy of course <laughs> that yeah. everybody seemed to like that guy <laughs> and we're thank, thankful that he was still around but maybe even if it was in a different state of mind you know and uh, so I don't remember a ton of that time period I'll be honest I still struggle with some short-term memory issues, but that specific time as well, because the, the, the drugs they had me on were just made me live in a different world for a while. And uh, so I spent that time, you know, like I said, on the couch, eating everything in sight and trying to get to know me. And then one day I wake up with a shooting pain down my leg in August of 2014, actually be coming up next week would be the anniversary of that five years. Oh, wow. Um, and just kind of woke up and said, wow, that didn't feel right and went upstairs and told my wife because I slept on the couch downstairs tied to the IV and uh, said something's wrong so she looks down at my leg and it's black and blue and purple and says yeah that doesn't look right and dragged me off to the ER again and sure enough we get there and they do some x-rays and all of a sudden they look at my chest and it's black and purple too and realize that my chest and both lungs are full of blood and that I'd had a massive pulmonary embolism um at the same was going on and had shot up from my leg into my heart and and lungs so come to find out much later that was due to the inactivity and the steroids and all the you know sitting on the couch all day uh that inactivity created some other issues and and uh and the, the, the drugs and steroids as well and like like many times, you know, what one drug's supposed to do and create or cure, it creates other issues as well. And it sure? did that for me that day and nearly took my life again. We somehow got me to the ER in time and they did uh, what's called angiovax surgery and sucked out all the blood out of my lungs and heart and you name it and somehow made it through what they described as a fatal event. So...
0: Well, and that's insane it was, because we yeah. think about people dying from pulmonary embolisms all the time and it's yeah. an instant. It's not like they even really have a chance to get to the hospital. Well,
1: he, he looked at me that day and said, this is a fatal event and couldn't believe I'd even walked in the door. Uh, he said it was the largest blood clot he'd ever seen and didn't have a clue how I'd walked in. And, and you know, later, you know, I can look back on that now and realize that You know, prior to that first virus hitting me, I was in the best shape of my life at 40, whatever years old, and that strong heart probably is what saved me, and uh, thankful for that. And uh, but uh, the fact that I was on a couch for three months, not doing anything, is what nearly took my life the second time.
0: That's insane. So you um, now, in the span of two months, if we're going to use the word cheated death twice, um, and that's still not the end of your story. Why don't you tell everybody what Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, from there, yeah, it's kind of weird to, to say, but that's kind of where it all kind of started for me at that point because, again, everything was brand new to me. And uh, the learning curve began. Um, I, I obviously, I was in the ICU for for nearly, um, I don't know, it was a month and a half, maybe two, after the um, embolism and allowed to come back home and try to figure out what the heck was going on so this was uh you know september october of somewhere 2014 and i was still in a world that i wasn't aware of you know or getting to know the people around me on a daily basis let alone you know who i was personally so uh i don't know i spent that year my family got involved and came to visit and you know and and told me stories. I did lots of research, looked at lots of Facebook pictures and memories and tried to figure out who the heck I was. And uh pretty much the rest of that year was was dedicated to doing that kind of recovery. It was more about, you know, getting to know family and friends again and figuring out what who I was and those around me too and and figuring out what the heck I was going to do now. So, um I really don't re- didn't do a whole lot to finish off that year other than do all that kind of searching I guess and it wasn't until the spring of 2015 when I was feeling like hey I've got a little something you know I'm feeling a little bit more like myself people were you know saying that hey you know this is the Tim we used to know kind of concept and I happened to be looking through Facebook one day and saw these pictures of me running a race with my son, Connor, and it was a Spartan race back in 2013. And I was like, ooh, wow, this looks like we're having a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) And wow, that guy looks like he's in pretty darn good shape too. And, uh, you know, it kind of made me think, okay, that must have been something I enjoyed and clearly something that connected me and my son at the time and uh, because to be honest it affected our closeness and our relationship too and when you don't have the memories that uh, of a baby being born even let alone you know him growing up it's you don't have that same connection that you used to have and so I saw those pictures of us doing something like that together and said hey I should probably be that guy again. (laughs) So probably against doctor's orders or even those that were closest to me, I decided I would give that a whirl again and decided to sign up for a Spartan race in 2015 in that March and probably was a little ahead of schedule, (laughs) but did that and, and, uh, went out and did my best. And, uh, even though I failed miserably in it, it lit a fire in me that wanted me to to be a better better person or be that person that I saw in all those pictures or heard all the stories about. And the community that was out there that offered their support to and the racing community gave me a little boost as well. Well, <laughs> so that's how 2015 started, yeah.
0: Yeah. And as we'll see for the rest of your story, I mean, I've said it multiple times, the obstacle course racing community, regardless of which race you prefer, the obstacle course racing community is fantastic. And they're really unlike any other sport I've ever been a part of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They do have a a little more camaraderie and and uplifting nature built into them. And I think that that's what I kind of latched onto in the years to come. And even now. But, uh, you know, I didn't realize it so much then because I was in the process of just finding who I was at the time. And uh, it allowed me to at least, I guess, dip my toes in the water of what it looked like. This was who I used to be. And I wanted to refine that guy again. And it allowed me to at least get that taste in my mouth of even though it was a difficult failure, um, or at least I felt like. I didn't look like and feel like that guy I saw pictures and heard stories about. It lit a fire that said, um, "There's that guy is still in there," and that fire kind of grew a little brighter. And I sought ways to to find him in a different way, and that's where I kind of looked for that locally and found. Some nice folks at Camp Rhino and probably where we cross paths at some point. Yeah, I think we <laughs> you did. Know, lot, or with friends of those, yeah.
0: So I know, I think I had heard about you from people at Camp Rhino. The first time I ever yeah. met you in person, and I'm sure we'll get to this in your story, is the infamous <laughs> um, Spartan um, fire incident.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah,
0: then the tough mutter um, the next year. We that next year, I, okay. So, how old was your son during all of this? You mentioned that you know you were rebuilding with your son, and he was one of the reasons that you really got back into Spartan because you saw your pictures of him. So, as you are trying to get your memories back and you're trying to maintain this relationship with your children, um, how old was your I son?
1: See, he would have been like 15, 16 when I saw those pictures of him, you know, so that would have been in 2013. So, as he He got to, um, in 2015 ish or whatever, uh, he would have been, you know, high school, uh, 16, 17 years old and, or 17, 18, I guess, and trying to finish up high school. And I had also been, I I played soccer in college and, and actually part of the training business I wanted to do was I was, wanted to do some coaching at his school as well and be the soccer and track coach. So I had done, and I was a coach of his baseball teams and growing up, you know, even Pee Wee baseball, and I was coach of his soccer teams all the way growing up, and I coached all of his club soccer teams in high school, too, along with some of the training at at the Faith Lutheran School close by. So I, you know, that's how we connected as well, and then ran these race, of uh, that race together. So I'd seen all those soccer pictures, too, and they made me want to, you know, kind of be... You know, I I don't know it, it, that was our connection. so um I thought at, you know, we connected through sports, I guess probably more than anything. Uh, he's very athletic, yeah, so that's that's the those are the types of pictures I saw and said, okay, but that's really I guess what's gonna draw us close again, and that's what made me think that you know, maybe being that active, you know, dad again is what would get us back together. So
0: that's thankfully, awesome. you know,
1: yeah, so that, that's where that kind of thought or process came from as well too. And not, not only that, it was a big part of me finding my true self as well, you know, and what really pushed me, um, athletically looking back on pictures of me playing when I was little too. Yeah. <laughs> and you hearing know, stories was, about me being that guy, you know, as a little kid too.
0: For sure. And I was going to comment mm-hmm. on the fact that you said, you know, you were finding out who you were in this time, you know, and this podcast is, is born out of this idea that um, we need to define our own idea of success and you need to be authentic about who you are and sure. what you want so that you can go out and live your best life. And we use that, phrase all the time that I need to figure out who I am, but nobody really means it literally, except for (laughs) you Um, to be able to say, I literally had to figure out who I was because I didn't know. To me, that's on a whole new meaning when you say it.
1: Well, I I get that. And even as I thought about that, that questioning and and this week a little bit, you know, you can't help but think about we know who we are, not only based on our, you know, how we were raised and our experiences growing up and the things that we go through on a daily basis, good and bad, and we learn from on a daily basis. And yeah, it's weird to all of a sudden not have those experiences to draw upon. And and you can only define, I guess, who you are based on not only what you do daily, but you know, you can't help but, you know, look. Back and try to grab a hold of um, the stories and the things that you've heard other people share. I'll be honest, there's some things that I don't know if they're a memory or just something that people have shared with me since uh, all this happened. And I it's hard to decipher between the two. And also, you know, some people will tell you you were one way when maybe you weren't. And
0: <laughs> it's
1: hard. You got to kind of just. It's hard to figure out when you don't have those own personal experiences to draw upon,
0: For and
1: sure. uh, so you at that point you you tend to have to learn to let go of some of that too, and define who you are today, and and realize that that's even more important, um, and and let some of the past go to a certain extent, and you know, and I spent most of those first years trying to be you know who I was. And once I kind of felt like okay, I got a taste of that guy, then let's see who did he want to be, <laughs> you right. know, versus who he was, and and it became more of uh, who I was at that point, and and what did I still feel I had left in me to create? Because how many, I mean, think about how many people get a real do over, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, we've all kind of. Thought that in our life at one point, how we can you know look back and think about mistakes we made and things we said or did that we weren't proud of or whatever, and hey, I wish I could take that back and start over again. And, <laughs> you know uh, I got a chance to do that. I mean, not in, you know I've had to look at it in that way. There's plenty of things that I could look back and and be whiny about and say you know that that wasn't fair or I wish i that didn't happen to me, but at the same time. I got a chance to, you know, define who I believe I am today based on what I've, you know, experienced and learned over the last five years, and uh, not a lot of people get a chance to do that. And I've had to look at it in a more positive way of what I define what success is to me now versus probably. What that guy did back in 2014.
0: <laughs> you know that's that's so important, and you know the fact that you can take this and put that spin on it and frame it that way in your mind, where I'll frame, um, it that, that way, huh? frame it that way. Frame it that way. I didn't even realize what I was saying. Look at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and And have that positivity is one of the things that number one probably has pushed you to the point where you're at now, but number two it has been so inspiring for me, and I'm sure so many other people because um you of all people have every excuse to um or could make every excuse to to use this as a way to say, well there there goes that, and instead, you have just completely. Um, rebuilt your life and and that's amazing to me um, and I think that it's oh, probably uh-huh. clear that um, while you didn't remember necessarily who you were, your love of fitness was an innate thing that was a part of you because you talked about this two thousand and fifteen race where you were not in the shape that you wish you would have been. And you were frustrated right. and with so many other people It would have been, yeah. to say, well, obstacle course racing isn't for me anymore, but you didn't right. do that. Tell me what happened next.
1: Well, it, it's funny. And my mom would say the same thing. I, even as a kid, just playing, you know, checkers or Yahtzee or something, I hated to lose. And, and I I wanted to win and I wanted to be the you know, best pitcher on the peewee baseball team or whatever it might be. I was going to, I enjoyed, you know, the, I guess the challenge or the competition. And that was part of who I was. So I guess that race made me feel like I, I wasn't, you know, that, I don't know the the best runner on the course or whatever I want to, you know, I don't know what, whatever drives you on the inside, but, you know, I, I didn't handle that feeling well, uh, especially you know, having no control over it, and and at the time, so um, I don't know. Um, I, I, yeah, part of that was still in me, and that's and, and there's things that happen on a daily basis where even you know my the people who do know me when I was even young will say, yeah, that's the Tim we know. <laughs> so you can at least hold on to there's a there's a part of that still innate in you that you know, that virus couldn't steal. Um, even along with my memories and experiences, um, there's still something that you're born with or, or, you know, I can, uh, who knows though, I still knew how to do certain things that, I, that weren't stolen that I learned when I was six years old, probably. So those kind of things that you're born and raised with and the, the environment that I was raised in probably played a huge role in that and, in my faith and beliefs and, and, you know, and family and stuff like that. So um I don't know it's hard to explain and and uh but then as the sport kind of got involved and I saw it become a very uplifting and and uh, uh and in a, a way for me to to push my limits and and learn even more about what I was capable of and I don't know it it and see how people respond to it in a positive way it became um I don't know a more challenge to me to to, to push my limits uh, and maybe maybe even further than I would have ever done with, without going through what I'd been through.
0: That's amazing. It's hard, to, hard to know. <laughs> it is. It is impossible to know. You know, we all want to try to figure out where our life would be if this didn't happen or if that didn't happen. Right. It's impossible right, to right. know. So we just got to make the best that we can out of what we're given.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, because you could, I could, I've spent plenty of time saying, yeah, this is where okay, this was what the plan was, and maybe the noise makes sense. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's difficult at times to try to make any sense of some of it. But uh, you can't beat For your sure. head against the wall trying to do that, and and you just kind of got to get up on a daily basis. And and that's where I think you even kind of read about uh, the do it anyway kind of mentality came from me to, to kind of uh, approach. Uh, kind of approach daily life in that way that you know i wake up and um and kind of get to start anew again and and be hopefully learn something in a even if it's a difficult thing and use it in a positive way but find a way to to make it through and do it anyway no matter what obstacles we face and that goes for life and on a race course and I don't know. And that's what Spartan and the obstacle course racing community has picked up on and, and has uh, allowed me to share my story in a positive way and then actually have it, you know, impact people in a positive way, too. And that's rewarding to use something that didn't go well in a positive way. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So I don't know.
1: I don't know. It's turned into a way for me to to. Um, no, you know, sometimes it puts a little pressure on you, you gotta live up to that guy too. But <laughs> <laughs> For
0: sure. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so at this point, um, you know, it would be and it would be easy or I'm sorry, it would be hard enough even if you're at the point where you were in two thousand and fifteen and you just had to rebuild yourself. But that's yeah. not in the end of your story. There's more. So <laughs> go ahead and tell everybody what happens when you start kind of rebuilding your fitness. Okay. That you bet. That.
1: You bet. Well, after that that failure in 2015 in the Vegas race, uh, you know, and I sought out you know ways to, to. I didn't like how that felt, and I didn't feel like that guy that I saw pictures of running races with his son and in great shape and. I don't know. I just, uh, it lit that fire. So I, again, ser- searched out for places to do that. And that's where Camp Rhino came in to play and met some awesome people there. And we ran a Tough mutter that year together, you know, shortly thereafter. And I, you know, it was fun. We didn't, I felt like I was better at that point because I was around people that lifted me up and, and, I uh, got to play and have some fun with and, and, uh, you know, get to know some new people in my life versus having to worry about trying to get to know all the rest of the people that I used to know. (laughs) But it was, uh, it was a neat culture and it got me out of my comfort zone and allowed me to improve not only out on a race course, but how I interacted with people too. And, and thankfully they, uh, we did well in that race and it it, uh, made me feel a little more like that guy I saw pictures of. And uh, they, uh, at some point, they, I don't know, they had a connection with Spartan Race and they, Spartan must have asked them for, hey, do you got any stories that you'd like to share with us? And they happened to share my story with Spartan Race that fall. And uh, we got a call one day, my wife and I, hey, would you guys like to share your story with us? Because they had heard wind that I had raced, you know, in that Spartan racing earlier that year. And I got to sit down and chat with them. And they came out and took lots of pictures of me running around Red Rock Canyon. And and told uh, a wonderful story about what I had overcome. And that's how I started 2016. With this, I don't know, new sense of... of I guess, identity, if that made a sense, (laughs) that that's this, I don't know, it helped me. I don't know, they, they, the story that uh, the first Spartan story that came out in February of 2016 wrote about that first race again, and what it, how it made me feel, and what I had overcome, and how it um, pushed me to, to do something, and be, you know, that guy again, and And uh, it started something new in 16. I had to then live up to the guy they wrote stories about. (laughs) Okay. And yeah, I don't know. That's kind of how I viewed that. If I hadn't, I guess, went out and ran that race in 15, I would have never sought out Camp Rhino. And had I not gone to Camp Rhino, they would have never shared my story with Spartan. And had I not, you know, I guess agreed to do that, then who knows where I'd be today. But thankfully, they got wind of that and thought it was a story of resilience is how they described it.
0: I would um, agree with that.
1: Well, I was there, I, I guess they were promoting 2016 as their Spartan year of resilience. And I guess I resembled that remark. And they that's where the story came from. I'm thankful for that because if that hadn't happened and, and, and gave me at least another, I guess, um, I guess connection or somebody I could identify to um, it, it gave me some way to, to, I guess, um, try to want to be at a higher level as well. Not just the guys i would seen pictures of, of my past, but a guy that, you know, this was my current guy that, Somebody else saw something in and said, we like this guy and he represents what we believe in. And it kind of pushed me to want to be that guy even more, if that makes sense.
0: No, it does. That's amazing. So,
1: yeah. So I think back to that. And had I not thought out Rhino and they not shared my story with Spartan, who knows where I'd be today. But because that story came out, I then decided, hey, I got to be that resilient Spartan now. And uh, that's where the, the real journey began for me in the obstacle side again. And I decided I'm gonna get a trifecta this year. And <laughs> and you know I didn't even know what a trifecta was at the time until it was explained to me. Um, I didn't even remember what a Spartan race was, obviously two years prior.
0: <laughs> and for those but, of you, um, for those that are listening that don't know, explain what a trifecta yeah.
1: is. You bet. A trifecta, uh, Spartan offers three, they do four now, but at the time they had three different race lengths, and they're called a super, a sprint, and a beast, and they're all different lengths, like a 5k, 10k, and a half marathon. So if you do all three of those in one calendar year, you get what's called a trifecta, because you did them all. So I thought, ooh, that's kind of cool. I've never done three races in a year, (laughs) and decided I'd give it a whirl. So that was going to be my goal for
0: 2016,
1: your goal. Yeah. Early, early 2016, right as that story came out in February. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'd done the race in 15 and then got to do get out with Rhino a little bit and we did the Tough Mudder together. And then it's like, okay, where am I going with this now that I got this story to live up to? <laughs> so, so I just want it, to
0: point out yeah. for everybody who's listening that like you're a year, well, I guess two years at 2016, maybe a year and a half. Past yeah, just 20,
1: about a year and a half. At
0: the, you would never wake up. That your correct. family was being prepared for the fact that if you did wake up, you would be in a coma. And then multiple, a couple months after that, you almost die again. And now you're saying, okay, we're just going to run three Spartan races in a year, because that sounds like a good idea. Um, yeah. And, and where you're at now.
1: If, yeah. Pretty much at the beginning of the year, I wanted to, you know, not only find, I, I'd felt like I'd found some of my identity back and, and had gotten to, you know, reconnect with family and friends around me and, and trust me, they were very supportive. And you know, I got in touch with them on Facebook. I was—I didn't know what Facebook was when I came back, obviously. But I, you know, got it. You know, friends and family from all over praying for me everywhere, and reconnected with the my past as well, and got to know myself a little bit. But then came—you <laughs> know—I still wasn't healthy per se, and as far as what I believed, what healthy felt like and, and looked like after. Spending 2014, you know, uh, and most of 15 in a recovery state of mind, um, I you was know, like, now I'm ready to tackle something a little bigger now, and, and so I decided at that point I was going to not only do the trifecta, but I was going to put in the work on a daily basis and get it done, and nice. uh, so I don't know, it was kind of how I'm built to, and, and I started, you know, uh, journey every morning, starting at the gym and doing lots of hard work there and getting my mind and body right. And, and you had uh, set a goal
0: for yourself, right? What was your goal uh, when you decided to come out?
1: Well, I decided not only to do the trifecta, but I was going to make up for lost time that sitting on a couch forever. And I was going to work out every single day three, for a full year and uh, I made a commitment to that and that meant first thing in the morning is getting up and having my breakfast and going and doing the work. So I did that as I approached this uh, goal of getting a trifecta and that's how I started my each and every morning and, and I'll be honest, still do today.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's um, what I was going to say. So we're at the beginning of 2016. And if we jump forward to today, how many days have you missed
1: working out? (laughs) Um, Let's see. Since then, I have it written down, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... uh, uh, It's less than most... 40-something.
0: Yeah, 40 days. (laughs) 40 days in know. three years. Yeah. And, and well, it just happens days, to right? be,
1: yeah, they were all the days after races to <laughs> travel back home. I call them rest and recovery days, you know. Well,
0: but, yeah.
1: Uh, I, I actually started allowing myself those last year. Uh, before then, I didn't even allow myself that. That's
0: or, insane. Or,
1: we'll, we'll get to some of that too as we get to a couple <laughs> of the surgeries I had to go through yeah. <laughs> as well.
0: So, so you decide um, you're going to do yeah. this trifecta, and you start pushing your body, and you're dedicated to getting yeah. it back, and um, you push yourself, and at some point in time, you kind of start to break down a little bit. Tell everybody about that. Well,
1: I do. That That year, I did start off with the Camp Rhino folks again, and, hey, I'm going to do, you know, this trifecta, and they had kind of encouraged me to do that after doing that mudder with them, so I did... First race with them in January in Temecula, and it was horrible and rainy and cold, and we called it Hell Macula. <laughs> but uh, we, we got it done with that team, and then it came back and did the Vegas race again and had a blast and felt like I got redemption on the previous year and felt healthy, I'll be honest. I was like, ooh, this is great, and so started feeling like the guy I did see pictures and hear stories about. So then I was like, okay, now I need a beast, right? I did a sprint and a super, I need a beast. And I, that's when I really got serious because I knew we're talking a half marathon distance on a mountain somewhere probably. And I worked out every single day till September of that year, getting ready for that beast and went and did that and uh, um, was happy to and did that with camp, the team Rhino as well. And it was good to, to get that done. And, uh, but as I finished that, I started feeling something weird. I'll be honest. And something started hurting. I'm like, what the heck? I thought maybe I was just overdoing it. Right. Cause I didn't take any days off. So the day after that beast, I took my first day off in 366 days.
0: <laughs> wow. And
1: cause it was, a, it was a leap year, you know, so there was an extra day that year. Um, but anyways, um, I started, feeling um, a little something in my hip that wasn't there before. And, you know, so i like, okay, I'm just a little sore. But I wasn't done, and that same group was going up to Tahoe that year to go run in the World Championships, and I decided in October I'd go do that with them too. And so I ran that World Championship beast that year and figured, what the heck, I got two beasts. I might as well get two trifectas now, (laughs) so I ended up running a a Sacramento Super that year in November, and then on my 50th birthday, or 51st birthday that year, ran um, a LA Sprint and ended up with 12 races that year, and and, uh, two trifectas on a really, really, really sore hip at that time.